Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show, High Energy Catholic Blue Collar Radio. TJ also stands for Truth and Justice. It also stands for Totally Jesus. This is the Holy Hour of Power. My name is Jesse Romero, the Latin lover of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Latin lover of Our Lady. Terry Barber, the Lebanese lover of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the Lebanese lover of Our Lady. Jesse, you and I had a real treat yesterday with Bishop Athanasius Snyder. I want everybody to know that's gone viral. Our show yesterday, Church Militants used it, um, LifeSite News. It's all over the Internet what he had to say about Pelosi and receiving Holy Communion. Please, as Bishop Snyder said, let's make reparation for the sacrileges that are going on inside our church, even in Rome. This is what we can do as lay people. But today's topics, Jess, we got to keep hitting Rome versus, excuse me, Wade, Roe versus Wade's decision back in 73. We're going to look at the technology that was there in 73 versus the technology. What a great video we're going to play for that. Also, uh, Jess, the five critical lessons from Uproar over Roe versus Wade. This is an awesome article uh, that you're going to not want to miss. It's very informative. Also, we've got our friends from Church Militant, the update on the news that's coming up on Church Militant, and much, much more. But before we get into any of these topics, Jess, let's get some soul food in us. Yeah, sure. Let me just give a couple of quotes, Terry. Uh, oh, yeah, man. Hit very, very important uh, news items, and we'll just jump into the gospel. Sure. Here's the quote of the day. This one uh, makes me kind of, of happy. Day. Yeah, hit me. Yeah. Disney's stock plummeted <laughs> by $40 billion. Yeah, can you imagine get with that? a B, not a million, $40 billion. That's great Disney's, news. I'll say it again. Yeah. Disney's stock plummeted by $40 billion. Awesome. Its, its favorability rating dropped from 77 to 33%. <laughs> its, its new Buzz Lightyear film was a massive flop. And uh, Governor Ron DeSantis stripped the company of its special privileges. That's right. It's been a rough year for Mickey Mouse. Well, then get the morality back in, buddy. That's what the message is. That's what the message from the public is saying. We don't want you promoting homosexuality and, and our families with our fi- films that we were watching with our kids. Knock it off. And it's clear. That's exactly it. There's also this digital attack of pregnancy centers. Oh, yeah. The Office of New York Attorney General... Uh, Letitia James demanded on Tuesday that Google remove crisis pregnancy centers from search results wow. related to abortion. Unbelievable. So the CPCs, the crisis pregnancy centers, exist solely to intercept and dissuade pregnant people from making fully informed decisions about their health care, such as a choice to obtain an abortion, said Darsana Renivison, an executive from the New York Health Care Bureau. Terry, so you see two states that are very hostile to this pregnancy counseling centers right now. It's it's uh, New York and California. Of course. Very hostile to life. Also, there's a poll on transgender sports. According to a new NPR poll, 63% of Americans are opposed to allowing males to play female sports. Yep. Should be 100%. Yep. With 43% strongly opposing... And 20% somewhat opposing the idea. According to the poll, 24% support the idea of males playing female sports. And the last point I want to make is, this is a, again, there's a battle in this country. 26 states out of 50 will likely protect babies from abortions now that Roe has been overturned. Yep. 24 states will not, Terry. So we're divided no, almost in big half. Big time. And we got to keep what we said, metal to the pedal. It's protecting the unborn. 
Yeah. Good, Jesse, good, good quotes. I love it. Great news. All right, let's get some soul food in our souls, Jess. Yeah, today's Holy Gospel. Yep. At the, at, and by the way, St. Margaret, uh, St. Maria Gretti, pray for us. We'll oh, talk boy. a little bit about this, yeah. about this uh, virgin martyr. Yeah. But uh, today's Holy Gospel, Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 to 7, mm-hmm. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits, those are demons, to drive them out and to cure every disease and every illness. The names of the 12 apostles are first, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus. Jesus sent out these twelve after instructing them thus, Do not go into pagan territory or enter a Samaritan town. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of God is at hand, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, Jess, I like that last statement. Go and make the proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the catechism says that the kingdom of heaven is wherever Jesus Christ is present. There you go. So if you went to Mass this morning, guess what? You went to the kingdom of heaven this morning. Again, let me define for you what is the kingdom of heaven. Wherever Jesus Christ is present, there is the kingdom of heaven. That's the catechism of the Catholic Church. And that's why you can actually say that Jesus Christ is sacramentally and in some mysterious way, he's reigning upon the world, Mm -hmm. but it's a Eucharistic reign. It's a hidden reign. It's a sacramental reign. And only the true believers know about this reign. Something else that also jumps out at me is that Jesus Christ here, chose the 12 apostles. Sometimes he calls them apostles. Sometimes he calls them disciples. So in this, in Matthew's gospel, he first calls the 12 disciples, then apostles. Sometimes he uses it interchangeably. But nonetheless, what he does here is he gives them the power and authority to drive demons out. This is why this extends to every Catholic bishop in the world. Every Catholic bishop as a successor of the apostles has the the full power of an apostle to drive out a demon. Now, he lends this power to certain priests in the diocese that we call exorcists, to do what's called a solemn session. Uh, and and uh, that exorcist now, with the authority of the bishop, who has the authority of Christ, can drive out a demon in a solemn session. Now, that doesn't mean that every priest can drive out demons as well. We would call these minor exorcisms or deliverances. That happens most of the time without people even realizing in the sacrament of confession. That's where most demons are driven out as sanctifying grace is restored in the soul of the person of the penitent who's in mortal sin. Also, just the blessing of a priest after Mass, the the, the absolution of the priest during the confession. Anytime a priest blesses, it's very powerful and and uh, if there's just a minor demon, an inferior demon, some of these low-level demons, they're driven out with the sacraments, with the prayers of a priest by attending Holy Mass. And also, notice at the end of this gospel, uh, and it's not to it's, it's not to say that Jews are better than Gentiles and us, but Jesus' primary mission when he came upon the earth was to convert the Jews first, the house of Israel, 
and then the pagans, the Gentiles, then us. But now under the Catholic Church, we've been made equal, Jew and Gentile. There's no separation, no division, nobody's superior, nobody's inferior. All of us are the same in Christ. Amen to that, Jesse. Jess, let's bring the smartest guy in. Fulton Sheen, full Sheen ahead. I thought this was appropriate for 2022, Jess. Bishop Sheen says, The final form of hatred of religion is a wish to defy God and to maintain one's own evil in the face of his goodness and power. Jess, if that doesn't describe our culture and our world in 2022, I don't know what would. Yeah. Terry, uh, Fulton Sheen also said in in another quote, he said that we've now entered into the end of Christendom. That's right. Christendom. Yep. Not Christianity. I mean, Christianity will be here until the end of time. Christendom means Christ's kingdom. And what does that mean? That means that there was a time when the church had influence over kings and princes and uh, the proletariat and the rich and famous uh, we've lost that. We, we've lost that. Be- and, and, and in large part because many of our church leaders have caved into modernism. True. And many of our leaders right now, they're no different from those pagans that run the world right now. They're no different from the Fauci's, from the Klaus Schwab, from the uh, Joe Biden's. A lot of our church leaders, look they hold to the same principles and values, Terry. So that's what Fulton Sheen meant, is that Christendom was coming to an end. But we know this. We know that Jesus Christ will never come to an end. In fact, we know that he's coming back. And he's coming back uh, to say, to judge the living and the dead. And let's just hope and pray that we're in a state of grace when he comes back. Well said, Jesse. That's why I keep saying stay focused on Christ. And again, you heard yesterday's show with Bishop Snyder. We need to be making reparation for the sacrileges that are going on in our Catholic Church. We're not in management. We're in sales. We promote the faith, right? Continue to promote the faith in spite of scandal. But all I can say is at the end of the day, if we offer up our sacrifices for our clergy, including the Pope, to be confirming us in our faith rather than tearing our faith apart by compromising with the world— that's what Bishop Schneider's asking everyone to do, make reparation. Because we're seeing things from the Pachamama on, things that should never have happened in the Catholic Church. And we shake our heads and we go, what the heck is going on? Well, don't give up. Pray harder. Make reparation. Hey, Jess, when we come back... And by the way, Terry, it's not the first time the papacy has no. been attacked. And it's not the first it's not time... It's going to be the last time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This happens. That's why I say, folks, stay focused on Jesus Christ. How many times has Jesse said this? See my crucifix? This is who we serve, right? Jesus Christ and no other. All right. Amen. We come back, Jess. We got a good video. Uh, it talks about the techno- technological advancements since Roe versus Wade. And had we had these technological advances in 1973, it never would have passed. We're also going to talk about five crucial lessons from the uproar over Roe versus Wade. Stick around. You don't want to miss these topics. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. St. Maria Goretti, patron saint of uh, purity and oh, pat- patroness of, of Catholic youth, pray for us. Oh, boy. We, you're about to hear a video 
it's uh it's put on by Edify and it talks about the amazing technological advancements in our computers and smartphones and even medical advancements. Had we had this in 1973, Roe v.ersus Wade would have never passed. Mr. Engineer, can you play the clip? In August 1963, Patrick Kennedy, the third and youngest child of President John F. and Jacqueline Kennedy, was delivered prematurely at 34 and a half weeks. He weighed four pounds, 10 ounces. Patrick lived only 39 hours, dying from a condition called hyaline membrane disease, or HMD. Patrick didn't have lungs that were developed enough to survive, even that late in pregnancy. In the 1960s, even a preterm baby with access to the best medical care in the world, like the son of the President of the United States, was at risk. A lot has changed since then. I am a pediatrician who has cared for infants born prematurely for more than 30 years. I have seen firsthand the remarkable medical advances in care and treatment of both unborn and prematurely born children. Advances in medicine usually parallel advances in technology. When Roe v. Wade and its companion case, Doe v. Bolton, were handed down by the Supreme Court on January 22, 1973, computers were primitive and in very limited use, primarily by the government and large universities. Basic computers were the size of small buildings. Most high school and college students used something called a slide rule to solve complicated math problems. There were no handheld calculators. Cell phones didn't exist, and video chat was something you were familiar with only by watching a television cartoon show called The Jetsons. And of course, there was no internet. In the mid-1960s, a baby born at around two and a half pounds, which is the average weight of a pre-born child at seven months, had a survival rate of only 5%. That's right. The mortality rate was 95%. Infants born at 28 weeks were considered pre-viable. This data about the very low survival rate of preterm infants was the best information available at the time of Roe v. Wade. Since then, a revolution has occurred in technology as well as neonatal medicine. Beginning in 1978, medical studies showed that there had been a significant decline in mortality among low birth weight infants. By the 1980s, ultrasound technology became even more sophisticated with improved image quality. Computer networking technologies allowed analysis of data quickly and completely. Computers also connected doctors with other doctors and gave treating physicians access to important studies at the click of a button. In 1986, 3D ultrasound technology captured three-dimensional images of a fetus for the first time. These ultrasound improvements continued into the 1990s with the adoption of 4D or real-time capabilities. This helped doctors better diagnose and treat conditions that used to be fatal. Consequently, infant mortality from prematurity and low birth weight continued to fall dramatically. By 1989, babies of 26 to 29 weeks and low birth weight now had a 70% chance of surviving if they had access to neonatal intensive care, no longer the 5% survival that the Supreme Court was aware of in 1973. I witnessed this miracle in person when I was a pediatrics resident in 1988 at Loyola University Medical Center near Chicago. A drug called surfactant was used in a study with great success. It was a game changer for the smallest infants. Infants treated with surfactant did not need intubation or the ventilator to breathe after they received this medication. Surfactant likely would have saved baby Patrick Kennedy's life.
in the 1990s that successful treatment of infants with gestational ages of 23 to 25 weeks, about five months old, was made possible by improved management of the care of premature children. These advancements included new technologies for maintaining body temperature, precision micromanagement of fluid and nutrition, and continued improvement in infant ventilator technology. Also, by the 1990s, the Internet provided doctors and medical researchers virtually universal access to information that was interactive and up-to-date. Hospitals, even in remote areas, could access this information, making it possible for babies treated at smaller local medical centers to receive better care. The smaller surviving baby now was born at 21 weeks, one day gestation. And there is more good news. Fetal surgery can be performed on unborn babies as early as 18 weeks, allowing doctors to correct congenital deformities and other problems in utero. The assumptions about the unborn made by the Supreme Court in 1973 are no longer valid. When all the technological and medical advances are considered, our nation's laws that impact legal protection of the unborn child are wildly out of date. Courts and state and federal legislatures today have much new information to consider. As citizens, let's make them aware of this new data and pray that they have the courage to acknowledge it and reevaluate the legal status of the unborn child. I'm Dr. Mary Keen Kirchhoff, a neurodevelopmental pediatrician for Edify. Wow. Terry, there's a lot of doctors like Dr. Mary Kirchhoff that have always known uh, that Roe versus Wade was bad science. It was yep, deceptive science. But again, they were able to get away with it back in 1973 because this, we, we still didn't have the technology that we have today. Uh, this video was informative. It's interesting. God bless these scientists who have been fighting for 40, 50 years as they continue to strive to improve, uh, again, uh, the rights of children. And they've been doing this, Terry, as, as a result of, again, technology. As Ben Shapiro said, he gave the speech in last, I think, two years ago, March for Life. And he said the theme of the, the March for Life two years ago was science is on our side. Absolutely. Science is on our side. In other words, you know, you hear the left are always saying, Follow the science. Absolutely, we want to follow the science. Roe versus Wade was made based upon bad law, and that was that was corrected by six Supreme Court justices. And Roe versus Wade was also passed through bad science. Yeah. And we have doctors like this, Dr. Mary King Kirchhoff, you know, Dr. Thomas Hilgers from the uh, Pope Paul the Sixth Institute, and many others that are saying yes. Based on the, the technology that we have now today, we know that that decision was made, was, made, was made based on bad science. You know, Jesse, I, I'm getting texts from different people. A good friend of mine from Ignatius Press, his son was a preemie at 28 weeks. And, you know, if he was born 30 years before, he would have never made it. Here's one of our listeners says, I was born in 1991 uh, with uh, undeveloped lungs. But because technology was there, I was assisted in my breathing, and I wouldn't be here. So that the bottom line is Dr. Bernard Nathanson, who had the largest abortion clinic in the Western world, he put out that silent scream video that's on YouTube. Watch it. That's what convinced him. After 75,000 times he performed abortions on women, that video, when he saw the ultrasound, 
convinced him that that was life because in his mind, every time he did an abortion, it was just cells. But here's the bottom line, Jesse. The last statement that doctor said, let's pray that people have the courage to recognize the truth about the science of the baby. But you know, Jess, I have to tell you, I've met many people with PhDs. I just met one yesterday, and she said it's just a clump of, are you ready? Tissues. It has nothing to do with being human. So, you know, science can show it, but when you are so deep in sin, you don't yeah. want to see it. Am I on to something, Jess? Yeah, you're right. Well, then that's what St. Thomas says that what happens is, is sin. Yeah. When you embrace sin, it, it darkens the intellect. It doesn't matter if you have all this education. Sin darkens the intellect, and you can't see reality. You can't see uh, clearly what God has, has put before you. The, the fact is, is yeah. that we know that the fundamental error in Roe versus Wade in 1973 yeah. is that the Supreme Court, they failed to grasp in their rulings that human life begins at conception. That was their argument. They're, they're saying in 1973, we don't know when life begins. Yeah. That was the, the liberal court's default position. And they held to that, Terry, yeah. because, again, we didn't have CT scans. We didn't have sonograms. Yeah. We didn't have all the other technology that we have today. So they were able to say, the, Supreme, the, the, the leftist Supreme Court at the time, they were able to say, we're not sure when human life begins. Well, guess what? As a result of, just like this doctor just said, uh, uh, Dr. Mary Keene Kirchhoff, as a result of the advance in technology, that decision has been destroyed. Now we know that, again, Roe versus Wade, it was an illegitimate decision. Right. Why? Because it was based on bad law yeah. and bad science, and we finally uh, we finally got it right. Amen. And But again, what I'm saying is I've met so many people who are so steeped in their position, they don't want to be confused by the facts. But think about this, Jesse. These are the same people who say that, uh, you know, my my position is I'm a male when I'm a woman. Uh, I'm six foot five when I'm five foot five. See, the facts at this point in our culture are less important. And these are the same people who say, oh, I'm going to follow the science. No, they don't. You know what they want to follow? Their own idea what truth is. Because they base truth on feelings and what they want to see because they don't live in reality. I believe, Jesse, that as a Catholic, a believing Catholic, we're living in reality. We see the supernatural. We see the natural. Grace builds on nature. The people who are not going to be convinced of this are people who are into themselves, the the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. They don't see the truth of what you just showed. Yeah. And I'll tell you, the the Roe versus Wade, the decision, yeah. the faulty decision of nine, in nineteen seventy three, mm-hmm. the same argument they made about the Dred Scott decision. That's right. The Dred Scott decision was back in eighteen fifty seven, where the Supreme Court ruled that black people could not be right. recognized as U.S. citizens, whether they were enslaved or not. So it, it basically essentially denied black people full humanity. Well. It was uh, this was one of the worst Supreme Court decisions in history. Yep. Uh, it was overturned, yep. just like Roe versus yep. Wade. No difference. Same argument. Yep. Blacks are not humans. The Dred Scott decision that was overturned because it was a bad law. Yeah. Same thing with Roe versus Wade. Babies are not fully human. 
Well, same argument. Dred Scott and Roe versus Wade used the same argument. Both were bad law and both were overturned. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to be on the air to tell people these things. I wanted to mention, Jess, this is the middle of the summer. And, you know, the month of June had a slump for us, like a lot of nonprofits. And I just want to ask, we have about a $10,000 deficit that we didn't get for this month. And if you feel like you can give us a little extra donation today, call 877-526-2151. And if you want to call me for the donation, I take calls all day long and all night long at 661-972-7872. You can go on our website, vmpr.org, and make an extra donation for that month. We had a slow June, and we appreciate your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. When we come back, wow, five critical lessons from the uproar over Roe versus Wade. Stay with us, family. We're going to hit it hard when we come right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. So what are the five crucial lessons <laughs> from all this leftist uproar over Roe versus Wade? Well, now that we know that Roe versus Wade is dead, at least constitutionally, we're not talking about in the states, constitutionally it's dead. Right. The decision to overturn it represents more than the end of a bad law and bad and based on faulty science. It also changes the moral debate in America today. Because the uproar over the leaked opinion that preceded the ruling and now its dramatic aftermath contains five crucial lessons that must orient the post-Roe future. The lesson started with the leaked opinion. Yep. The likely intention of whoever leaked it was to prepare the ground for a furious reaction. Yep. The normal release of an unknown decision in June would have limited the pro-abortion movement's ability to mobilize. The leaked contents with the good news of Roe's repeal added urgency and passion to the left's cause. The left needed the extra weeks to whip up hysteria. <laughs> While energizing the pro-abortion bases, the hysteria revealed the true and horrific face of the movement. The debate is no longer a carefully scripted campaign controlled by Planned Parenthood operatives in the name of women's health. The hysteria of the radicals hides nothing. It allows people to see what unites and defines the pro-abortion movement. It now becomes much easier to perceive that procured abortion generated two currents, two mentalities, and yes, unfortunately, we're living in two Americas right now. We are. We are. Well, Jess, let's get to the first one, that you know, abortion is a debate about the wrong concept of freedom. The first lesson is that the fr fic fiction of a woman's health is no longer the most important pro-abortion talking point. The hysteria one has spoken and presented the issue at the freedom is to do whatever one wants, regardless of the consequences of the human obstacles. Well said. Even if it meant killing the baby, that's it. The pro-abortion radicals accept no restrictions that deny biological and metaphysical reality. Just, see, you know who just said that last week? Our president. 
He said he he didn't say it was a you know the woman's pregnancy. They have to terminate the killing of the baby. And, and it, you know, it was a mix. But th- this is how bold they're getting. Let's get with number two, Jess. Yeah, Terry, and I'll tell you what's Tell sad. Me, what makes me sad is that the whole world has heard about Roe versus Wade. It's it's the talk of the world. That's true. I would have I would have expected Terry a thunderous statement from Pope Francis. Uh, I would ex- I would I have expected. Hoped. I wouldn't expect. I would have hoped. See, yeah. Jesse, I'm hoping. I don't expect it. Go ahead. I'm I'm just telling you. Yeah, well, okay, then I'll just, ref- I'll, I'll, yeah, I would have I'm, hoped that. Jesse, you, how can we expect that from what we're hearing? I'll, I'm sorry. Yeah, and the reason is, is because he's the vicar of Christ and he's responsible. This is the man that's supposed to confirm the world in the faith. Amen, brother. This is the successor of St. Peter. Amen. And I'm just going to tell you that uh, every single one of us, myself, yourself, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Yep. Some of us are going to have much more responsibility because much more authority was That's given what the to Bible us. The Bible says. And uh, it, it just doesn't look good. No. The optics are bad when he's, you know, when, when he's silent about this, the greatest victory in the Supreme Court in the last 50 years. Yeah. That's my, my take. Let's talk about point number two. We're yeah. talking about the five lessons yeah. that can be learned from the Roe versus Wade hysteria. Lesson number two. Abortion unites all forms of impurity and all disordered passions. If you notice, protesters from the whole gamut of the sexual revolution, hot-button issues, join the hysteria around the leaked opinion. Of course. They cannot be separated. You've seen, again, Jane's Revenge, Ruth Sent Us, uh, you've seen uh, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, uh, you've seen, you know, these these new groups that have just erupted. So these... uh, the, once one gratifies the disordered sexual passions, any relationship is possible and demanded. Thus, abortion advocates connect abortion and the LGBTQ plus agenda because you see a lot of those LGBTQ flags flying right. at these pro at these pro abortion protests. Mm-hmm. Really, they got nothing in common. They correctly conclude that. Well, well, their commonality is they hate Christ. So they correctly conclude that banning procured abortion threatens all moral aberrations. Indeed, the more Justice Alito insisted that there's no link between these issues and his leaked opinion, the more le- the left made the connection. Well said. Number three, abortion unites the political left. Oh, boy, does it. Sadly, abortion struggle unites the left more than the right. Leftists allow no compromise on this issue. And I'm going to call it for what it is. The Democratic Party would have everything to gain by moderating its abortion stance. However, now that it embraces totalitarianism, it is no longer allows for dissent. Yeah. Socialists, communists, and anarchists Anarchist. all have shared the same passion for abortion. Yeah, they're all in the same box, knowing that it supports their egalitarian goals, their flags, symbols, and slogans were part of the post-leak protest. Well oh, said. And we still don't know who the leaker was, Terry. I know uh, that. Uh, we suspect on it. Yeah. We don't uh, know here's here's. I'll just. Yeah. Give me your the, take. The person who was most vocal against this yeah. was uh, Sonia Sotomayor. Justice. Oh, absolutely. Fake Catholic Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Yep. All of them have. Uh, they they have. Uh, 
law clerks that work for them. Mm-hmm. Every one of them is assigned law clerks. And these are law students. Some of them have already graduated. It's their first job. I have no doubt that Justice Sonia Sotomayor, the most outspoken against Roe versus Wade, fake Catholic, I have no doubt that uh, she dog whistled to one of the one of oh, the yeah. people that works for her to leak it out to the media. And uh, again, she's kept her mouth shut. But I have no doubt, Terry, that she's the leaker. Well, it makes sense. Here's point number four. The abortion radicals follow or break the law when it favors them. The pro-abortion movement used Roe versus Wade as a bludgeon of settled law. That's what they would always argue to us. It's settled law. It's settled law. However, now that Roe is dead constitutionally, expect to see in place the Marxist uh, maxim that legality means whatever favors the advance of the revolution. Activists now chant, we will not obey. But uh, hey, when Roe versus Wade was in, was, was, uh, in force, we were called to obey, right? Those people of faith and patriots and uh, conservatives. Indeed, political officials and public prosecutors already threaten not to enforce the law in places where abortion will become illegal, like 24 states. The post-leak hysteria provoked many to break the law by protesting and threatening the Supreme Court justices at their homes. I've never seen anything like this in my life. They vandalized countless pregnancy centers, countless Catholic churches. So the decision to overturn Roe may well give rise to a summer of rage in which protesters riot, burn, kill, maim, and destroy. And guess what? The Democrats just turn a blind eye towards all of this. Because aiding and abetting leftists in government and media will give their blessing to the violence by repeating the most peaceful uh, 2020 mantra. Jesse, who said we will not obey? We will not serve? It's Satan. Check this last point because he nails it. The abortion issue increasingly represents those who are anti-God and pro-Satan. That's it. He nailed it. The most shocking revelation of the post-leak hysteria was an openly anti-gay, anti-God, pro-Satan wrath. That's true. Indeed, they were using satanic symbols, blasphemous signs, hateful slogans found their way into the protest. Others called for attacking and vandalizing Catholic churches on Mother's Day. And this is true, Jesse. Satanic groups renewed their claims that abortion has a sacramental character of mm. for them. That's been stated so clearly. And no, what did they go after, Jesse? Tabernacles were stolen. The Blessed Sacrament, sacrilege, profaned. Catholic politicians supporting abortion defied church authorities with sacrilegious communions like Pelosi did last week in Rome. All these things took place without official protest or regret from those within the abortion movement. And I want to add, Jesse, what you just said. We need more protests. Bishop Snyder said yesterday, we need the Holy Father to come out and point out that it was wrong to give Holy Communion to Pelosi or to Biden, to fake Catholics. This needs to be done in a sense of reparation for those sacrileges. So I think these five points are spot on. Your thoughts, Jess? Yeah, this, uh, the, the reason they're so angry, the left. Yeah, tell me. Point number five yeah. said it clearly, something I've known for years, mm-hmm. is that for, uh, for Satanists, and Luciferians, which most of these people are, 
abortion is a sacrament for them. Yeah. And for this to take this away from them would be tantamount to the U.S. Supreme Court saying the holy sacrifice of the mass cannot be cannot be uh, uh, celebrated in the United States any longer. Wow. This is I mean, this is their equivalent for them. Yeah. And so this is where their rage comes from, Terry. It's an ungodly rage. Also, so what's the score that we have right now as of as of uh, the Supreme Court's decision? What do we know? Well, we know that over 63 million babies, unborn babies, were killed. That's right. Died in abortion. Yep. And right now, as it stands, we have 26 states that it looks like they're going to ban abortions in their state by their by their state constitution, and 24 states that are going to continue allowing abortions. So this country is going to be split right down the middle between abortion states right. and non-abortion states, Terry. Well said. I just got an information, Jesse. The show yesterday that we had with Bishop Snyder, one of the Vatic- former Vatican diplomats, just communicated to me that he saw our, our show yesterday and he said, Bishop Snyder is spot on. We need more uh, bishops like Bishop Snyder. I would agree with that former Vatican diplomat. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. When we come back, we're going to have church militant on news and what it relates to in our culture. Stay with us, family. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome to our update with Church Militant on the news within the church and the culture. We've got uh, Hunter Bradford. Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show, my friend. What's going on in the world, the culture, and in the church? Talk to me. Uh, great to be on. Thank you. Great. Uh, so we have a Biden initiative that he actually launched back in April. But the reason that it's in the news today in 2022 is because several congressmen have taken the Biden administration to task. So Good. this initiative is a he's granting money to any organizations that want to pitch their tent and support atheists, uh, humanists. And actually, it's about quote-unquote, religious freedom. It's about tolerance. And this is coming from a fake Catholic. This is coming from an American president. Now, if we remember the Constitution, it recognizes God as creator and giver of rights that are uh, inalienable, that cannot be taken away by the government. And this is uh, a leader of a government that is promoting abroad across the pond over there uh, atheism, uh, humanism, and actually even so... Uh, infidelity to certain religions. You know, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you personally what makes Joe Biden more dangerous than most people, than most politicians, is that he's a baptized Catholic. Yes. And everything that he does, he does in the spirit in the spirit of Judas Iscariot. He's got a Judas spirit that just that just plagues him. Everything he does, he does it subtly to undermine the Catholic faith as he carries a rosary in his pocket, as he takes photo ops, going to mass on Sundays. I'll I'll tell you what's the reason Biden is worse than most people is I could deal with somebody like, you know, Richard Dawkins or 
you know, uh, some of these Philip Pullman, some of these mm-hmm. uh, atheists that'll tell you I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. And here's why. But Joe Biden, who's probably an atheist himself. Right. He's 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 again, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's playing the part of a Catholic, which makes him more dangerous. And, and, and Hunter, what you just said right now. This is a direct violation of the worst commandment, the first commandment. Promoting atheism mm-hmm. offends God. To break the first commandment is the worst of all ten. Pachamama, promoting atheism. Biden is offending God. Uh, and again, he's an old mm-hmm. man. His judgment is right around the corner. It's not going to look good unless he repents. Jesse, I actually watched a little uh, clip of Biden earlier today giving answering a question of a reporter about the overturning of Roe. And he said, you know what, Roe upheld the idea, um, you know, uh, embraced by all religions of all time, saying that, you know, we really don't know when life begins. And he actually, in defense of that argument, he attempted to quote Aquinas of all people. <laughs> wow. Pathetic. Pathetic. And, and you know what's the worst part about this, Hunter, in my humble opinion, and I'm, I'm not in management, I'm in sales, that the magisterial teachings of the church are not being proclaimed to show him that he should be repenting. It's guys like you and I, lay people, pointing this out. That's not right. Yeah, exactly. and, a few, and a few bishops. No, Pope Francis should be thunderously denouncing uh, what he said correcting him that's right reparation man yeah absolutely and pope francis should also should be thunderously applauding the roe versus wade decision but again Mm -hmm. we hear silence across the pond that pains me as a catholic what's the next item there hunter well someone who has i wouldn't say he's thunderously proclaimed the truth but he has proclaimed the truth is cardinal Seurat. recently in an interview with a french newspaper on july 1st he said a truth that really isn't breaking news. I think 150 years ago, this would have been like, yeah, tell me something I don't know. But he says yeah, priesthood is about saving souls. It's not about saving someone from you know, a hotter climate. It's not about saving someone from the sin of recycling. It's not about environmentalism, but it's about saving someone from hell. I mean, the good news is that Jesus Christ entered upon the scene and actually gave us an escape hatch gave us an exit so that when we die, we don't automatically go to hell, which is which was our our case, our situation beforehand. But as Sarah says, uh, many priests today don't care about souls because I don't think they believe in hell, if much less know about hell. Well said. You know, uh, for us as Catholics, our goal is to get to heaven, so we we focus on the salvation of the soul. Not that we don't take care of our bodies. Obviously, we try to eat right and exercise, and we know that that Christ will raise our bodies on the last day as well. But for the left, if you notice, for them, their religion is nature worship. It's the worship of of Mother Earth, and actually, that 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 comes from pagan uh, pagan religions, uh, the worship of the earth. They call it in many pagan religions Gaia. Uh, in, you know, in Mexico, the Aztecs called Mother Earth Tonantu. Uh, but, you know, so there's different pagan cultures call the Earth by by some type of a, some name. They name it by some type of a deity. But Americans, the liberals in this country, they've fallen into that paganism. The rejection of God 
makes them want to look to something to, to start worshiping, and they're worshiping the same. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, they worship the, the created order mm-hmm. versus the creator himself. Well said. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. All right, so what, what else, what else what's, do you what else going on? Last thing, um, so Pope Francis had an interview with Reuters on July 2nd, uh, just four, four days ago, and actually said that uh, he, plans on, uh, he, he plans on appointing women to be uh, on the Congregation for Bishops. Now, that's important because the Congregation for Bishops is responsible for picking the next couple bishops. So in addition to having Cardinal Supich and Cardinal Tobin on the Congregation for Bishops, uh, people you don't want to be in charge of picking the next couple leaders of the church, uh, now Pope Francis says, hey, well, if I can't ordain them, if I can't make them bishops, I at least want women to have a say in who's picking the next bishops of the church. You know, that's uh, very sad, and you know those women that are going to be picked, uh, you know for a fact they're going to be progressives. There's no question yes. about it. Yeah. This, isn't, yeah. this isn't new for Pope Francis. This he is actually, a political thing. Yeah, no, he, he appointed yeah. uh, Natalie Beckhardt. She's a French nun. She, he, Pope Francis, appointed her co-undersecretary for the Synod of, uh, yep. of second, Bishops. Yep, second in command. Uh, so this isn't in, this isn't inconsistent with Pope Francis. This might this might be inconsistent with tradition, but this is consistent for Pope Francis. Yeah. You know, that's this is uh, this is exactly what you would call the era of modernism. A lot of the things that we see happening today that are coming from uh, Pope Francis pontificate, and I say this with respect, he's the Pope. Okay, just so you know, I put that out there. He's the Pope. Yes. As soon as that white smoke went up, okay. Uh, He's the 267th pope or whatever number we're at right now. Right. But the fact is, when you look at the Old Testament, I've got a chart, a chart in, my, in my other room. That got all the Old Testament, uh, the kings of Israel and Judah. And they were, they were sanctioned by God. They, they governed the Old Testament people of God. The vast majority of them were bad. Manasseh. In Ahaz, uh, the vast majority of the kings that ran with the authority of God, even at the time of Christ, uh, you, you had Caiaphas, you had uh, King Herod, they had lawful authority by God. Even Jesus said to, to, to uh, he said to Caiaphas, you would have no authority over me if it was not given to you from above. Mm-hmm. So the point that I'm making just because you have lawful authority from God doesn't mean that the person themselves is is a is a virtuous person or a person that's doing the right thing and again just look at the old testament 90% of the kings of Judah and Israel were wicked and yet they still had the authority from God absolutely we've had some teenage popes we've had some just uh, womanizing popes. We've had some just really bad apples in our history. I do think we've recently been spoiled. I think of Pope St. Pius X. I think of Pope Leo XIII. I think of Pope Pius XII. We've got a lot of good recent ones, not ultra recently, but when you think of church history, it's relatively recently. But historically, overall, there have been some extremely bad apples. So if if we're true churchmen, if we're true sons of the church, 
this isn't exactly new territory when it comes to that aspect. Hunter, let me jump in. I'm going to be with you guys in August at your event on evangelization. Can you share a little bit why people should sign up for that and how they can do that? Yes. Yes. Call to action. Call to action convention. Uh, August 19th and 21st here in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, We've got a load of amazing panelists, amazing speakers coming to give you the tools. Okay. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world and the church, and you should be angry about that. But what do you do with that anger? How do you how do you make that concrete? How do you how do you turn that into pra- practical terms day to day? That's what you're going to get at the Call to Action Convention, August 19th, 19th through to the 21st here in Detroit, Michigan. And people can can sign up by going to your website, correct? Yes, that's right. CM Resistance, uh, CM Resistance, and then once you get on that site you'll find the call to action convention. That's right. And I'll tell you why this is so important, that conference, because uh, the Catholic Church is a big battleship, but the the, the ship is taking water right now, so we need all hands on deck to bail water. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Hunter, anything else you want to share before we let you go? Because I always like to promote what you guys have as resources on studying your Catholic faith. Well, I think uh, there's a lot of great um, uh, premium content on our website. Uh, Obviously, you have our flagship program, The One True Faith, uh, hosted by Michael. But you have a lot of other good shows. You have Marian Moment, Episode 2. You have uh, a bunch of other premium content, like FBI's, The Faith-Based Investigations. I've personally seen those. Those are great, too. Great. Well, Mike, uh, I just want to thank you, Hunter, for joining us here each week here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Terry and Jesse, thank you. God bless you. Got it. God bless you. Say hi to the the, uh, the gang out there, the Absolutely. family. Yep, will do. Jesse, before I ask you what state we should be living in, let's be honest right now. This is a time where many of us are frustrated. We need to offer our sacrifices for the salvation of souls because here now we see scandal arising, and we don't want to keep our eyes. We want want to take our lives off of Christ. That's the key. Your thoughts before we have to run, Jess? Simple. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Nobody else. The author and finisher of our make. Oh, and his mother, too. Keep your eyes on Jesus and Mary. (laughs) The author and finisher of our faith. And, And, And Jesse, I just want to thank everybody who's been so supportive here at Virgin Most Powerful. Again, we have got a little shortage right now for the month. And if people can join us by going to vmpr.org, we'd appreciate it. God love you.